This weekend, we really start a brand new series called Grace Transform. It's 12 weeks long. My family's really excited to utilize these journals. We purchased one for all the big kids in my family uh, to go through together. And we're excited to use it. You can use it with your small group. You can use it as an individual. There's daily pages um, as well as group discussion. So I would encourage you to take advantage of that. I'm looking forward to how that journal is going to impact my family, but also the life group that we're a part of. And the the passage that's going to be the core passage for us to look at today is in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you want to take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 5 and 6 as the, the key text that's really going to set it up. What, what I'm going to do this weekend is really just scratch the surface. Um, I'm going to scratch the surface on five subjects that we're going to look at in great depth over the next 12 weeks. Um, and so it's going to feel like I'm moving fast because I am. And uh, we're going to start with the basics. And here's the basics. The basics is our name. Let's think about our name here. The name of our church is Big Valley Grace Community Church. If I were to put that name in a sentence of why we have that name... I would say it this way. We want to reach this big central valley with the grace of Jesus Christ in community with his church. The name of our church has the name Big Valley Grace Community Church for a reason. Because we possess the grace of Jesus Christ and we want to bring the grace of Jesus Christ to the location we're in, which is the central valley. And wow, is this central valley big. So much opportunity to bring the grace of Jesus Christ to the Central Valley. And so we want to reach this big Central Valley with the grace of Jesus Christ. And we don't do it alone. We do it together in community with the Church of Jesus Christ. And that's why Big Valley Grace is our name. It represents what God's called us to be. And because we possess the grace of Jesus Christ, we bring meaningful impact into this town, into this county, into this Central Valley. I'm thankful for the way that this church impacts the Central Valley. Meaningful impact because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And meaningful impact, it helps us, you know, think about our purpose. And so what is our purpose as a church? The purpose of Big Valley Grace Community Church is this, that we would bring glory to God. That is why this church exists. It exists for the purpose to bring glory to God. This church doesn't exist for ourselves, it exists for God in his glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever it is you're gonna do, you wanna do it all for the glory of God. You wanna do it all for the glory of God. Our reason for existence is the glory of God and this brings meaningful impact not only to our church but also to our lives as individuals because our lives are not just about ourselves. Our lives are about the glory of God. And this is really an opportunity for us to align our lives for the highest purpose of our life and bring action that really points to the highest purpose. And that's why, as a church, we have a mission. Because mission is about the action that we're taking. And as a mission for our church is love God, love people, and make disciples. Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus talks about the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment, the one that is like it. And in chapter 28, 18 through 20, Jesus gives a great commission. Just a few weeks ago, I taught an entire sermon just on this. So if you didn't hear that, I would encourage you to go back. Just a few weeks ago, it's at the end of our Gospel of Matthew series, I spent an entire sermon unpacking our mission. I'm not gonna do that right now, but what I will say is that when we love God, 
It's action that's aligning our lives to the highest purpose for our life, which is to bring glory to God. And when we love people, it's action that is aligning our lives with the highest purpose of our life, which is to bring glory to God. And when we make disciples, it is action that is aligning our lives towards the highest purpose of our life, which is to bring glory to God. Our mission is very, very purposeful because we want to bring glory to God with the way that we live. And as our church family, our church family, if you consider our church family, how much purposeful, mission-driven action happens in our church family, it is quite amazing. And what we wanna do with this series, Grace Transform, is bring alignment to all of that very purposeful, mission-driven action. So let's talk about alignment for a moment. I had a car that as I drove down the street with this car, this car kept bringing me into the middle lane, like the middle lane where like, that's not where I wanna be. That's, that's not the lane I wanna be in. It kept pulling me to the left. And I thought, that's not good. So I went to the car shop and I said, fix it. Make it not do that anymore. I don't wanna go, I don't wanna die. They call that middle lane something for a reason and I don't want that, right? And so, can you fix my car? So they, they fixed my car. They made my tires so that they're in, in alignment. So I got back in my car, and it pulled me into the middle lane again. And I thought, that's not a very good shop. So I went back to it again, and I said, I want to give you another shot. Can you make my tires go straight? I would like my tires to go straight. Um, when I'm holding the steering wheel straight, I want the tires to go straight, right? So I, I went back, and they, they fixed it again, and I got back in my car, and it pulled to the middle lane again. And I thought, okay, there must, be a, there must be something. There's a disconnect here. So I come back, and I said, look, I know you guys know what you're doing. You've been in business for a long time. My car keeps pulling. They said, well, the alignment is perfect. I'm like, well, figure it out. Well, it can be one of my tires had like a bad wear on it. And because my tire had a bad wear on it, it kept pulling me into the middle lane. It was out of alignment. That's problematic. I don't want to die, and I don't want my car to go, you know, into the middle lane when I don't want it to. That's just me in the car. Let's add my wife into the car and talk about alignment. So in our earlier years, we, uh, we would have a driver and a navigator, and um, we would use something called a paper map. And the paper map would unfold, and it would take up the entire windshield, right? So you can't actually see where you're going while you're using the paper map because you have to look at the paper map and you can't actually see where you're going, right? So um, we would say, let's pick a place in the Bay Area. We're gonna drive over to the Bay Area. So we pick up, pick a place in the Bay Area. We're just a couple Valley kids trying to figure out life. We're holding up this big paper map. And I tell you, we have not had a better argument than over that right there. I, I'm telling you, we would, we would make it to the East Bay. We'd make it to the West Bay. We'd make it to the North Bay, the South Bay. We'd make it all the way to LA, but we would not end up where we wanted to go. We, we absolutely would have the best fights. There's an app on my phone, and it is rather spectacular. It's called Maps. They have named this app incorrectly. It should be called Marriage Saver because that's what this app does. This app saves my marriage because for the life of us, we could not figure out how to get anywhere together. Now let's multiply the need for alignment and getting to the location together correctly. Let's multiply that out into the hundreds. When we take our high school students down to Mexico for a missions trip, we use dozens of vehicles and we go 15 hours south into another country with hundreds of people. 
There is an entire team, the only purpose of their team is to handle the logistics because there's so many logistics involved in making sure we stop at the right place, we stay at the right place, we all end up together, and you know we don't lose the pastor's kid, right? So that, there's so many steps just to make sure we're in alignment that we actually end up in the location we intended to go and we end up there together. And alignment is so important. And so when we're talking about the name of our church, the purpose of our church, the mission of our church, when we begin to talk about vision, vision is setting direction and it's bringing us into alignment. And I wanna share with you this thought. Can't miss it, because it's on a banner that's like 30 feet wide, right? That you would love your actual neighbor. This is taking the name of our church, the purpose of our church, the mission of our church, and it's taking all of that and focusing it into a direction and pointing it at your neighborhood. And saying, what if together we were focused to go take this mission right into where we live? That you would love your actual neighbor. Let me unpack a statement here. This means every member of the body of Christ being led by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, evangelizing and discipling our actual neighbors and leading them to do the same. We'll unpack this as we go. How in the world could this happen? Well, the vision is so big, only God could accomplish a vision like this. This vision is so big, only God could accomplish it and only God could get the glory. But this vision is so small, you can align with it right from where you live. It's so big, only God can do it. He can, he's the only one who's gonna get the glory. But it's so small that every one of us can align with this vision right from where we live. How? How's it possible? How is it possible to actually do that? To love your actual neighbor? How's that even possible? Well, this is only possible when God's grace transforms our lives. Because on my own, I don't have a shot to do it. But with the grace of God, wow, it's possible. It's why we've titled this entire 12-week series, Grace Transforms, because we realize that it's because of the grace of God transforming our lives that we can become obedient to the things that God has commanded us to do. In Ephesians uh, chapter two, verses five through six, the team in just a moment is gonna lead us in a song as we bring our gifts to the Lord. But check out this verse. Look at the transformation that we see in this verse. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. How? By grace you have been saved. That happened because of grace. Look at that transformation. We were dead. We were dead in our trespasses. Because of sin, we were dead. But grace has transformed our lives. And God made us alive together with Christ. Isn't that incredible? I hope you're thankful for grace. I hope you see the potential of transformation of grace in your life. And not only that, but God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only did grace transform our lives to take us from being dead to being alive, but grace transforms our lives to where instead of just being a resident of earth, we're now considered a citizen of heaven. That God has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's saying that is what is true of a believer in Jesus right now. Grace has transformed our lives. You know what? Before we go any further, 
I think it would be quite appropriate that we would stand and sing together about the amazing grace of God. So let's stand. Our team's going to lead us. This is the time. If you want to bring your gifts to the Lord during this time, this would be the time to do that. Team, lead us. Father God, Lord, would you help us? We need your help. Would you help us live out our name? Would you help us fulfill our purpose? Would you help us act on mission for you? And God, would you bring alignment to us as a church family as we serve you? And so help us as we continue. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So big thought here is that grace transforms. Grace transforms residents of earth into citizens of heaven. And when you are a citizen of heaven, you're different. You're different because grace has changed you. And there's things that are very distinctive about a citizen of heaven because of the grace of God coming into a person's life. And changing them. In John 1.16, it says that, that through Jesus we have grace upon grace. So in other words, God has given you grace and then he dumped more grace on top of the grace he already gave you. It's like my niece, she has a shirt that says, I put ketchup on my ketchup. God has given you grace and then he's put more grace on top of you. In 2 Corinthians 8.9, it says, because of the grace of Jesus Christ... Though he was rich, he became poor so that in our poverty, we might become rich. Is that not amazing? What Jesus Christ has done through the power of the grace of God to transform our lives. And he has changed us and he is changing us. And citizens of heaven, there's some things that are distinctive about who they are. The first is that a citizen of heaven believes in Jesus Christ. A citizen of heaven believes in Jesus Christ. And this is about every member of the body of Christ. This is about every person who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. The date was 8-6-1986. The location was the bottom bunk. The street was a few blocks that way. My parents had been sharing the gospel with me over and over and over, and that's the earliest time that I can remember on 8-6-1986, hearing the gospel and placing my faith in Jesus Christ and praying to ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior, that he would be my God. And because I was a bottom bunk kid, we would draw underneath the top bunk Right, We would draw stuff, and so we drew the, the numbers 8, 6, 86. So my entire childhood, I laid in a bed, and I looked up at those numbers. 8, 6, 86. I'm never going to forget them. It's the day, my earliest recollection of, of my person, me, placing my faith in Jesus Christ and becoming a believer. Becoming a member of the body of Christ. That doesn't happen unless grace transforms my life. I'm so thankful for that. In Acts 15, 11, there's this incredible verse. It says, we see how grace and belief are tied together here. It says, but we believe, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. What's the just as they will mean? Well, it means the grace of God is good enough for you just like the grace of God is good enough for you. 
and the grace of God is good enough for you, and the grace of God is good enough for you. This just as Will was talking about Jews and Gentiles, is it good enough? Is the grace of God good enough for all the different kinds of people? And the grace of God is good enough for people even like you, people even like me. But we believe that we will be saved, how? Through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as as they will. We believe. We believe. We believe in Jesus Christ. Grace has transformed us to be able to believe. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Through faith. 1 Timothy 1.14 says, the grace of the Lord overflowed for me. Imagine that. Imagine the grace of God filling your life and overflowing, bubbling up out of you. That the grace of God is overflowing. And he says, the grace of God overflowed for me through the faith, through the faith and the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. Number one is citizens of heaven believe. Believe. Wow, when I want to say, how is it going to be possible to go love my actual neighbor? Well, it's not possible if I'm not believing in Jesus Christ because I can't do it without him. But as a citizen of heaven, through the power of Christ, I'm a member of the body of Christ that can be pointed in that direction to go love my actual neighbor. Number two, citizens of heaven influence for Jesus Christ. And this is really being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. That not only do I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm a member of the body of Christ, but I'm gonna influence for Jesus Christ because I'm being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. In John 15, five, we're gonna see How many people know their Bibles right now? In John 15, five, Jesus says this, apart from me, he tells us how much we can accomplish. Apart from me, you can do goose eggs, zip, zilch, nada, nothing. Nothing means nothing. Apart from Jesus Christ, we can do nothing, which is why I have no shot to do that on my own. I must be a member of the body of Christ who's being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God so that I can go love my actual neighbor. I need to have the Holy Spirit of God empowering me. So if I can do nothing on my own, what has God done for me? What can I do because God has done it? I love it when people ask me questions about my life and they don't actually wanna know the answer. It's always fun. You know, it's one of the questions I get asked all the time that just turns into this incredible moment is when people come up to me and say, hey, so, hey. Hey, so you got any kids? (laughs) Oh, I got kids. (laughs) And I always answer it kind of nebulous, like just kind of fuzzy, because I just want them to ask more questions. Well, how many kids do you have? And this is the best moment. When I answer this question, I just wish I could take a picture of everyone's eyes and just have this board of eyes because how many kids do you have? Oh, well, you know, nine. (laughs) You know? People assume I'm Mormon or something. I don't know, but... (laughs) It's true. People have said that to me many times. When people ask me, do you have children? God uses that question as the single biggest witnessing tool I've ever had in my entire life. 
oh, let me tell you how God built my family. Let me tell you how God built my family. How much time do you have? <laughs> let me tell you what God has done. And through prayer and being sensitive to the power of the Holy Spirit, God has used that as an opportunity to share Christ with so many people. And they had no clue what they were getting themselves into. What's that for you? How are you praying about those common questions people ask you? What's that for you in your life? To where you're paying attention, being led by the Holy Spirit of God to be a witness to him. In Hebrews 10, 29, there's a title given to the Holy Spirit of God. And the title is The Spirit of Grace. This is an incredible name that is given to the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of Grace. We see how the Holy Spirit and grace are tied together in this verse. Jesus in John 15, 26 says, I'm gonna send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth, another name for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace, the Spirit of truth. God, Jesus saying, I'm gonna send to you from the Father the Spirit of grace. I'm gonna send him to you. I'm gonna send him to you. And when you receive him, in Acts 1, 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit of God has come upon you. When Jesus sends the Holy Spirit of God into the life of a believer, it is the most incredible power source in the history of power sources that becomes a power generator in our lives. That the Holy Spirit of God in us is empowering us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And what's gonna happen? You will be my witnesses. And you know, when power comes into an entity, it lights up, which is why Jesus says in Matthew, you're the light of the world. Because you have the Holy Spirit in you. You are the light of the world. So let your light shine before others. Let other people see the light that's in you so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. All right, let's take that into the neighborhood. I've got this thing on my side of my house. It's called a meter, and it spins, right? I've got a meter, it spins, and the, the more it spins, the more I pay people, right? I don't know if you have meters, Meters like that at your house? So I have meters like that. I had a guy from MID come out because I'm like, hey man, my bill's really big. Can you come show me why that is? He goes, okay, let's go look at your meter. And it's like, it's just spinning. It's so loud, it's making a hum. He says, that's because everything in your house is turned on right now. Let's go in. So we went inside and we turned everything off. We unplugged everything. We went back out and it was like, oh, that's, he goes, yeah, you're a gross polluter. You need to turn your stuff off. I was like, thank you. He goes, yeah, the less this goes, the less you pay me. I go, thank you. You're a very good person. I like you very much. <laughs> I've got another meter next to it, and it's the gas meter, right? And in my backyard, there's a fire pit that's hooked up to the gas of my house. And my small group was coming over, and my small group comes by, and one of the guys in my small group goes, I know Joel has his fire pit on. I'm like, I wonder how he knew that. And he goes, because I can hear your meter. It's just gas, just flowing. Okay, just got a question. The Holy Spirit of God is in you. The Holy Spirit of God, the greatest power source is in you. Can your neighbor see your meter spinning? The Holy Spirit of God, the greatest power source, the greatest power generator ever is in you. Can your neighbor see your meter spinning? When your neighbors look at your life, can they see your, neighbor, your, your, can they see your meter spinning? See, I have no chance to accomplish this unless the Holy Spirit of God is doing the work in me because grace has to transform me. 
to not only be a believer, someone who's a member of the body of Christ, but to be an influencer, someone who's being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, that I can go and love my actual neighbor. Number two is citizens of heaven influence for Jesus Christ. Again, we're just scratching the surface on these because we're gonna spend two weeks on each of these in this series. Number three, citizens of heaven win with Jesus Christ. And this is about evangelizing our actual neighbors. And I wanna illustrate this way for you. This cross right here, this cross is not an image of Jesus as a victim. This cross is an image of Jesus as the victor. Jesus is victorious. He is a winner. Jesus wins at everything he does. Jesus is victorious and he is a winner. And Jesus has brought victory into my life. Has Jesus brought victory into your life? Jesus has brought victory into my life. Has Jesus brought victory into your life? We'll try one more time. Jesus has brought victory into my life. Has Jesus brought victory into your life? Yes. Okay, because that's the response when people are winning. They cheer, right? And Jesus wins. He's winning in our lives, and he is bringing victory. And the incredible thing that Jesus does is he invites us to win with him. That we would be about evangelizing others with the gospel that we would bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people. And God is so cool, he invites us to be a part of the process as he wins in another person's life. Amazing. It's amazing that we would even have the privilege to partner with Jesus, really to come along for the ride as he wins, as he wins people to himself. In Acts 20, verse 24, it says, I don't account my life of any value nor, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course. So there's this goal that he has, right? Finish the course. He, he understands his life is on this path. It's like a race. I'm gonna finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to do what? To testify to the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ, of God. Wow. That is such a passionate statement of what his life, what Paul's life was all about. I have a course I am running, and it is to finish the course, and I am about testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. That is amazing. That is amazing. And here, as a citizen of heaven, who believes, is a member of the body of Christ, who's influencing because I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, God's saying, hey, would you wanna win with me? How about you evangelize your neighbors and you see how I bring victory into the lives of people. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his victory. Incredible. In Luke 15, seven, it says that there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Think about that. In heaven, a party goes off with joy when one person repents. More party, more joy in heaven when one person repents than 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Think about that. Isn't that cool? 
Look, I don't know what your neighborhood is like. My neighborhood knows how to party. I mean, I have professional partiers in my neighborhood. They are very good at it, all right? They are very good at partying. But my question is, God, when is there going to be a party thrown in heaven because one of my neighbors gets one for Jesus Christ? God, when's that party date? When is that party in heaven gonna be thrown where there's gonna be so much joy in heaven because one of my neighbors came to Jesus Christ and they've been one to Jesus? Man, I am excited about that. I'm excited for that party. That is way better than the parties that are happening on my street right now. Oh man, that's exciting. That there would be a party in heaven because of something that's happening in my neighborhood. Citizens of heaven win with Jesus Christ. Number four, citizens of heaven equip in Jesus Christ. And this is about discipling. Discipling our actual neighbors. This is about being the, about the work of helping people grow in Jesus Christ. When I think about discipleship, I think about our core values. I think about helping people understand to have total worship in their life, to have neighborly service in their life, to have endless reach in their life, that they would have connected fellowship in their life, that they would have continuous growth in their life. You can go down the hallway right over there. You can see all those big signs. I, I shared it in my message uh, just a few weeks ago. Man, these core values that help us understand, like this is what it looks like to live with Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 4, 7 and 12, we see the connection between grace and equipping tied very clearly together. It says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. All the gifts that Christ give are Grace, it's his grace given to us. And one of the ways that plays itself out, we see a few verses later, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up of the body of Christ. It is the grace of God that transforms our lives that we can be equipped to serve God. It is the grace of God that transforms our lives that we can be discipled for God, that we can grow up in God. When Sarah and I, uh, we weren't even engaged yet. We were... We were very young and we were dating. There was a couple, a man and a woman, who took interest in us and they invited us to do a Bible study with them in their home to equip us and disciple us and we had no idea they were doing it. But they did. And we would spend very many late nights in their home going through the book of James and drinking a lot of coffee and even more French vanilla creamer. And it was an incredible time. He then would invite me in the morning once a week to meet him at, for coffee, and we went through this book called The Disciplines of the Godly Man. And then this couple started a small group in their home, and they invited Sarah and I to come to it, and we began to learn what it looked like to have community in discipleship in what we would call a life group. Incredible the time that they took to equip us, to disciple us. And that really sets up the next thing here. And that is citizens of heaven, number five, multiply through Jesus Christ. And this is leading our, our actual neighbors to do the same. As a member of the body of Christ who's influencing by the power of the Holy Spirit and is evangelizing and winning our neighbors to Jesus Christ and equipping and discipling them, wow, that we would lead them to do the same that the multiplication would happen. You see, that's how the body of Christ has worked through the entire age of the body of Christ. It is a disciple who makes a disciple, who makes a disciple, who makes a disciple. Who, you getting it? It's disciples making disciples, making disciples. That is how it happens, is disciples making disciples. 
It was not long after this couple had been equipping Sarah and I that I was working at an engineering firm here in Modesto, and there was a coworker that God lined it up and gave me the opportunity to then share Christ with that coworker. And then have the opportunity then to meet with that coworker and disciple that coworker. Right after I had been equipped and discipled, very shortly I was given the opportunity to win somebody to Christ and then equip them. And that person went on to lead somebody to Christ and equip them, and that's how it works. People being used by God to share Christ, to equip them, and it multiplies. It multiplies. In 2 Corinthians 4.15, we see an incredible verse. It says, we see how grace and multiplication are tied together. For it is all for your sake, so that as the grace of God extends to more and more people. Grace is extending to more and more people. What happens? It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. The purpose is fulfilled to bring God glory when grace extends to more and more people. The purpose is fulfilled to bring God glory. And this really helps maybe even to help explain a goal for this series, this Grace Transform series. And the goal, I would say it, is this way. It is to bring glory to God, to glorify God. God through exponential discipleship. Disciples making disciples, making disciples, making disciples. And that God would be glorified in our church because exponential discipleship is taking place. Disciples making disciples, making disciples. I wanna remind you, this goal, this vision, it is so big that only God can accomplish it and only God can get the glory. But it is so small that every one of us can align with it right from where we live. Look at this verse here, Acts 19, 10. It says, all the residents of, in the verse, it's Asia, okay? All the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Would that not be incredible that an entire region heard the word of the Lord? Let's make this practical. All the residents of the United States of America heard the word of the Lord. Would that not be incredible? How about all the residents of California heard the word of the Lord? God help us, we know we need it right now. How about all the residents of Stanislaus County heard the word of the Lord. Would that not be amazing? How about all the residents of Modesto heard the word of the Lord? Let's make it personal. How about all the residents, and insert the name of your street, all the residents of your street heard the word of the Lord. Would that not be amazing? Let's make it even more personal. How about all the residents of, and put your address right here, all the residents of your address heard the word of the Lord, because that's where it starts, right? It starts with us believing, believing in Jesus Christ. And I wanna, I wanna encourage you. We've talked about a bunch of subjects. We're gonna unpack those over the next weeks, but I have one very practical thing I wanna encourage us in a place for us to start. And here's how we would start this series together, that we would claim where we live as a residence of grace. That you would claim where you live Claim it for the purpose of grace and say this location right here is for God. In Joshua 24, 15, it says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This week, I took one of these gray stakes and I brought my family in front of my house and we all grabbed onto it and you can see a picture of it right here. And we had a moment in front of my home where every member of my family held onto this stake 
because this is the type of family my wife and I are trying to build. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Our house is gonna be about the grace of God. We wanna be a residence of grace. Then we took that stake and we placed it right in front of my house and here's a picture of where it is right there in front of my house. And as a family, we're saying, we're claiming this location for Jesus. And I would encourage you to do the same. I would encourage you to do the same. In fact, I wanna encourage you to do that during this next video that we're gonna play. There are stakes right here. We have 11 people in my family. We used one stake, put one stake in front of the house. You might be here with other people you live with. I'd encourage you to come together and that together you would grab one of these stakes. And this week, you'd have a moment like that with the people you live with. Say, you know what, let's claim our home. Let's claim it. Let's claim this home for Jesus. Let's put a stake in the ground and let's make this a residence of grace. And together, we're gonna say, it's for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. So during this next video, I would encourage you to come with those that you live with and, or on your own and uh, come grab one of these stakes while this video is playing. Then we'll continue and we'll end our time together.
sound like a crashing symbol. I don't wanna be some empty noise. I'm down on my knees, Lord, I surrender. Jesus, help me to love with a love like yours. I don't wanna sound like a crashing symbol. I don't wanna be some empty noise. I'm down on my knees, Lord, I surrender. Help me to love with a love like yours. And then it'll all mean something. I want it to all mean something. And then it'll all mean something. Oh, God. I want it to all mean something. brother cries out for help don't want to be too proud to forget before the sun goes down then there's a life that i've been living what does it mean now the best it will all mean something with love it all means something In 1 Corinthians 13, 2, it says, if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I have all the faith, so as to take that mountain and throw it over there, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. What we're looking at during this series is how grace transforms our lives. It's thinking about the purpose to bring glory to God, our mission to love God, love people, make disciples, and it's pointing it at our neighborhood so that as residences of grace, we might go after this vision to love your actual neighbor. To love your actual neighbor. Every member of the body of Christ being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, evangelizing and discipling their actual neighbor and leading them to do the same. I'm gonna have the team come out. They're gonna lead us in a song to close. I wanna encourage us all to stand together as I pray. Father God, Lord, we love you. We're excited to enter into this journey together, this series together, looking at your word together. We're excited to have a moment where we're gonna claim where we live for the purposes of grace. 
And God, may that be very special like it was for me and my family. Would that be very special in homes all across our church? That this would be an incredible week for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said.